Welcome to the Human Resources for Small Business Podcast, presented by Zenium HR. I'm your host, Brandon Laws. Whether you're an HR professional or a small business leader, each episode of this podcast is designed to bring you the latest in technical HR and leadership at your convenience. More content is available on our website at www.zeniumhr.com. Let's dive into today's topic. Hello, and welcome back for another episode of the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. I'm Brandon Laws, and I'm your host. Today's conversation is with Catherine Matice. She's the author of Back Off, Your Kick-Ass Guide to Ending Bullying at Work, and she's also the founder of Civility Partners. She's an international speaker, an award-winning author, an HR consultant, and an expert in workplace bullying. And today's conversation is going to be all about her book, Back Off. And I think you're really going to learn a lot about bullying, what to look for, and really what we can do as managers, leaders, and HR professionals to end bullying. So I think you're going to learn a lot about it. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. A lot of you have reached out and and just said what you like about the podcast, what you want to learn. So I, I definitely encourage you to keep doing that. And so without further ado, I'm going to get on with the episode. So enjoy the conversation today. Hey, Catherine, it's good to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. Today, we're going to talk about your book, Back Off, Your Kick-Ass Guide to Ending Bullying at Work. So I wanted to first ask you, for those that you know maybe listening to this podcast, or maybe they've heard about bullying quite a bit, especially in the media, what if they're skeptical of bullying and that it actually takes place in the workplace? What are the common myths that kind of hang out there as it relates to bullying? Well, the biggest myth in my mind is that bullying and harassment are not compared often enough, or people think bullying is just conflict, or it's just a little bit of incivility. And really, bullying and harassment are exactly the same behaviors. So bullying is as awful as harassment. It's just that the law puts a divide and says, well, if the bullying is aimed at a protected class, then it's illegal. So that's one myth, you know, that bullying's not that bad, but it is harassment. It's just legal harassment. Another common myth is kind of whose fault it is. So often online, for example, you'll see the bully is really made out to be this villain and and it's the bully's fault and they're awful. Or the other way is you may see people blaming the target. Well, what's wrong with them that they're being bullied? Maybe they're not performing. The bully and the target are operating in a context that's set up by the organization. So it's not the bully's fault. It's not the target's fault. It's the organization's fault. So that's another big myth. So how big of a problem is bullying? Actually, you you mentioned that the harassment is really the kind of the legal term. But with bullying, I mean, if this is taking place, is it in every workplace? Well, I mean, where there's people, there's room for drama, right? So lots of research studies have found that about 35% of the workforce feels bullied at some point in their life. I think that's pretty significant. And, you know, of course, it causes people who are the recipients of that behavior to to experience a lot of fear and unhappiness. And so it it is a, a real problem that needs to be addressed. Absolutely. 
for somebody like me who I don't think I've ever seen bullying happen around me, but that's not to say it hasn't. But what would you tell somebody like myself who doesn't even really know what to look for in terms of like kind of symptoms of bullying? What do you say to me? You know, it's going to be around the dynamics what you're seeing or or not seeing, I guess. So things like maybe people avoiding each other or not working together, you know, a lack of teamwork. Sometimes, or a lot of times, actually, people who feel bullied are having a hard time producing because they're operating in this real heightened state of fear. So if you see that someone isn't producing, they're not meeting their deadlines, of course, there's a lot of reasons that could happen, but bullying certainly could be one of them. When there's bullying happening, people get into clicks because they really start to support each other. So you could see where maybe targets or people who are sort of afraid of the bully band together. And also a lot of whispering, gossiping, you know, so after a staff meeting, if there was some bad behaviors, people will sort of band together to, to gossip about that. You know, obviously the biggest sign that there's bullying is is actual bully behaviors. You could see things like yelling or you're you're seeing a nasty email. So you can see bullying behaviors, but then there's all this under the radar behavior and sort of chatter about it that you would sense if you're paying attention. What are some of the costs of bullying or, or really the effects of bullying if we just kind of let it go on way too long? Lots and lots and lots. The academic research on workplace bullying um, really focuses on the damage that targets experience. So I'll start there. People who feel bullied experience fear, anxiety, depression. There, I've actually had stories of where HR professionals have called me because there was a suicide even on the site because of bullying. Uh, and the note was sort of all about that. And actually PTSD has been correlated to workplace bullying. And that's a hot topic right now in the academic research. So and of course, stress and stress translates to physical problems. That's not a secret. So if someone's stressed out, they're not sleeping, they're not eating, they're not taking care of themselves, heart disease, all that stuff. So for the target, there's a lot of psychological and physical damages. For the organization, of course, all of that translates into wasted time, turnover, presenteeism, absenteeism, people not communicating very well, poor decisions, lack of innovation. People have to thrive. If you want your business to thrive, your people have to thrive. And if there's bullying, they're not thriving. They're spending a lot of time living in this world of fear. Um, and so it's, it's really costly you know, for the organization. Like when you wrote your book, did you feel like at the time, like maybe enough people weren't really paying attention to this subject or that it was just like it was needed? Because in your book is, you say a kick-ass guide. It literally is a guide. This book, I mean, it's got assessments and lists and like it's like the how-to of dealing with bullying. Did you really feel like at the time, like this just isn't covered enough and that people just really needed this? Absolutely. So I am a very tangible person. I'm very to-do list oriented. I don't like business books that tell me their theory and give me a model, but I don't <laughs> you know, really know what to do when yeah. I'm done. And I, I saw a lot of that online and in the other books about workplace bullying. And so I really wanted to give actual tangible takeaways that someone who read my book could walk away with a nice long list of things that they could do. And so, yeah, I absolutely was trying to fill a hole that I saw. It was interesting because I, the other day when I would finish your book, I'm an avid Goodreads user, uh, the social media app for kind of reading books and, you know, seeing what you want to read and all mm -hmm. that. And one of my, one of the people in my network, they were like, Hey, this is a great book. If you like this one, you know, go to some blog posts about, about bullying. And it's just, you could tell that it's on 
people's minds either they've been affected by it or or just they're concerned about it as a, you know, an HR manager or manager of people. They just they see it around them, so they're concerned. You know, I wanted to kind of get into some technical things of of bullying, but when when it relates to bullying, is it usually a single incident? Is it ongoing? Is it just you know kind of perpetuates and gets to different stages? What what usually transpires with bullying? Yeah, great question. So what happens is there's some sort of initial bullying incident. So bullies usually don't come in full force and effect right away. They work up to it. So um, it does start off as an act of incivility. So maybe an eye roll or a bit of a nasty email or mm. something. And then for whatever reason, the target doesn't stand up against that. Maybe they just brush it off as a one-time thing. Maybe they're afraid of it. Maybe they didn't even notice it or whatever. Whatever reason in that initial incident, whatever it was, the target doesn't do anything about it. So then the bullying happens a little more frequent or the aggression, it gets a little more frequent, a little more aggressive over time. So it I like to say it sort of unfolds like a crescendo where there's this initial incident and then this power imbalance Mm. grows and grows and grows. And often, unfortunately, what happens is people don't even really recognize that they're being bullied until it's been going on for a while, you know, and then it's like they sort of the light bulb comes on and, and it's like, man, this person makes my life miserable. I'm bullied. But that that happens because it's confusing. You know, you feel like you're an adult, you're in the working world. If we don't, there's no law against it. There isn't a lot of vernacular around it. So it's really confusing for someone to be bullied. It takes a while for them to sort of realize, gosh, this is bullying and I'm not going to be able to get out of it. And what do I do now? You know? So if somebody's being bullied, but they don't really notice it until it's like too far gone, mm-hmm. that begs the question, why do people start bullying in the first place. I mean, do they even know it's happening? And I, I, you, I guess you mentioned a little bit ago that it's oftentimes like an imbalance of power. Is that the reason why it usually starts? Is that just see they have kind of a leg up on somebody who's more passive or what is it? Yeah, that? so they sense they have a leg up. So I don't, and, and that's actually going back to your question about myths. One of the things you see online is that bullies are essentially psychopaths and they're these evil people. And, you know, they're out to kill people at work or go after people. And that's not what's happening. People who bully sense the power they're getting out of it, but it's not a conscious, you know, I'm going to wake up in the morning and I'm so excited because I'm going to make Susan's life hell today. You know, it's um, sort of a subconscious seeking of power. They sense they're getting power out of it. Also, people who bully really desire to be perceived as uber competent and that desire to be competent drives their behavior because that's just the way they're sort of communicating and behaving in an effort to be seen as competent without realizing that it's actually hindering this perception they're really trying to build. And also they feel threatened a lot. So perhaps the person they're bullying threatens this desire to be seen competent. So just to give you an example, I'm coaching someone right now who's been identified as uh, too abrasive. And he's a visionary. He makes millions of dollars for his company. He creates these software program ideas, and then he puts a team together and they implement it. That's how he's seen as competent. My products work. I make a million, you know, millions of dollars. So here you get some, you know, peon who messes up the vision, makes a mistake. All of a sudden, this vision he's trying to, to implement is disrupted. And, you know, that's affecting his ability to be seen as competent. And so he may bully that person because of that. Does that make sense? Where, you know, 
Yeah, absolutely. Did did he recognize he was even doing it though? I mean, obviously he he was seeking your help eventually, but at first, did he really realize he was? No, doing no. And in, in the coaching process is that you know it's a process. It takes time for someone who bullies to really recognize that you know although you're attempting to be seen as competent, you're not. And I'm there to help you achieve this goal that you have. But the way, you know, in order to do that, we've got to adjust your communication. So of course they deny it a lot at first. You know, I didn't mean it that way, or I don't understand what you mean. You know, yeah, I yelled, but it wasn't that bad, you know, and they kind of justify their behaviors. So it takes me a little time to sort of crack the egg and um, help them start to view things differently. So when I coach people, my job is to help them understand that they're creating anxiety and help them come up with plans to eliminate or alleviate that anxiety. And that's ultimately what it's focused on. I hate to overgeneralize, but is there a specific type of person that is more likely to bully? I mean, you mentioned like with the power struggle, maybe it's a supervisor over an employee. Like what are some typical scenarios where, you know, one person's more likely to be a bully than the other? Often it is a, a superior bullying a subordinate of some kind. So uh, in fact, lots of academic research has come to this particular number of 70%. 70% of the time, it's a, you know, a superior bullying down. So that's 30% of the time that it's either peer to peer or somebody bullying up. And usually bullies are high performers, they're lacking communication skills, and they're lacking social and emotional intelligence. So they're, they're just fully unaware that they create this kind of reaction. I hate online all this stuff I see about, you know, bullies have emotional problems or they're psychopaths or this because we, yeah, sometimes probably, but we can't make those sorts of generalizations and it bothers me. It's not really that fair. Yeah. No. <laughs> in your book, you you mentioned that in terms of your research and your work, you break up behaviors of bullies into kind of three different categories, communication, humiliation, manipulation. What are a couple of the behaviors of the bullies in kind of each of those categories, just to give listeners kind of a sense for what they can watch for? Okay, so as you said, uh, you know, the first bucket is communication. So that would be things like sending, you know, rude emails, nasty emails, insulting people, getting in someone's personal space, kind of harsh, aggressive body language, um, eyes bulging, you know, communication that we can see that we could all say that was pretty aggressive. We don't like that. So that's the first bucket. In fact, this guy that I was just speaking of, one of the things he does is stand up in meetings and kind of lean over the table. And people describe that his body language is very stiff. His eyes are kind of bulging out, you know, so that that's one example. The next bucket of behaviors is humiliation. So pointing out mistakes in public, pointing out mistakes to leaders, socially isolating people, spreading rumors about them. I worked with a company where they had hazing. That was a problem. And so what they would do is hide this other people's tools. So it was a group of kind of senior employees and they would hide tools from people and then they couldn't do their work. And, you know, it's one thing if it's five minutes, haha, that was funny. Here's your tool back. But they would hide things for days, you know, and so these people are stressing out because they can't do their work. And then the last bucket is manipulation. So this is the most under the radar, but also it's the best choice if you're going to be a bully because you can justify your behavior. It's passive aggressive, right? So withholding information people need. If there's five steps and I only give you three steps, you know, so you're sort of set up to fail. Um, giving people so much work that they can't do it in a reasonable time. In fact, another 
situation I was involved in. This poor woman, everyone in her office had 30 case files and she had 60 case files. And so obviously she's going to fail. There's a reason everybody else only has 30 at a time. So she had so much work that it was impossible for her to be successful, you know, taking credit. So sort of manipulating people's work. So those are the three buckets. Also, you you mentioned later on in your book that there are kind of stages to bullying. And I my guess is that, you know, you talked about earlier the an incident would happen, then it could progress. So I imagine these stages are sort of an upper progression of bullying. And I'm curious because we just talked about those buckets, communication, humiliation, manipulation. Do those stages tie to those buckets where if it's passive aggressive email, like over time in these stages, as there's upper progression in terms of the bullying, it gets the manipulation gets worse and worse. Or is that how you intended that to kind of play out? Or what have you seen? That's an interesting question. You know what I've seen usually is it progresses from manipulation to aggressive communication. So a lot of times that's the reason I'm called is the aggression got out of hand where now it was visual. Um, and you know, you're, you've got my wheels turning, so I hadn't really thought about that before. So thanks for <laughs> that. that. Was just, this was my, my brain went there. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah, I found it interesting. Thanks for that. Yeah, so people start off manipulating, and then it turns into communication that people can see, and then HR recognizes, okay, that's not okay. We need to solve this. For the listeners, if they haven't read the book, what are those stages that you kind of outlined in the book? So in the book, I talk about incivility as the first bucket. I talk about two forms of bullying. One is predatory and one is emotional. And as I mentioned, um, most bullying is not predatory. These aren't psychopaths. It feels that way, but that's not usually what's happening. Um, Emotional bullying is more about this kind of reaction to someone threatening your competence. So that's the more common type of bullying. Um, And then it progresses into violence. Jeez. You'd hate for it to ever go that route, but yeah, I imagine it would at the end. Well, you know what? I recently did a webinar with a woman who specializes in workplace violence, Sue Hoffman's her name, and we got to talking about my work and her work over lunch one day, and I realized, and I had never thought about it until this lunch, that bullying is actually workplace violence. Because according to Sue Hoffman, the only thing that has to happen in order for it to be violence is the other person has to be afraid. So people who are targeted experience fear. And so it is a form of workplace violence, which this is great news because that means that employers are required to solve bullying because employers are required to have a a safe work environment. Do you ever find that with bullying, it's always a one-on-one thing or can it be group versus one individual? Like how does it, how does it usually play out? So usually there's one person who's the bully and they're sort of going after a group of people. A group of people. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I've also seen it where it was one person who actually, she sort of picked off people one by one. So she went after one person that person quit because they weren't getting help from HR. And then the bully went after another person and that person quit. And so I ended up having lunch with sort of the last three people standing. And they had watched this happen over time. And of course, they knew they were next. So I've seen it unfold that way as well. The word we use when it's a group of people bullying one person is mobbing. So yeah, that's a little bit different of a phenomenon. But yes, yeah, it's, it's most often one person going after a group of people. Let's say somebody's listening right now and they're thinking, oh my gosh, 
I I've been a target of bullying and I guess I didn't realize it, but why me? Why me? What do you say to them? Like when they're asking that question, why me? Well, first off, I'd say they're bullying you because you're a threat and that's a compliment, you know, to you <laughs> that you have the ability to Way to spin it into a positive <laughs> yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. So it's a compliment to you that they are so focused on you that they're concerned about about you and what you're up to. So that's good. However, in terms of advice, what I would say is um, you're being bullied because you're not speaking up for yourself in the end. And so, you know, you've got to start figuring out ways to stand up for yourself. And I know that's a tall order. You know, I just said people who are bullied experience fear and depression and, and all of these very awful psychological things. But you have to start speaking up for yourself. We all like the path of least resistance, including bullies. And if you start standing up for yourself, it'll stop. It'll take time, but it'll stop. That's a good segue because I really I wanted to ask you if if it's common that people who are being bullied and they're aware of it, if they enlist the help of others, because I imagine like when it gets to the stage where, you know, depression or you're even to the point where you may be suicidal where you're probably bottling up and not enlisting the help of other people around you, whether it's, you know, coworkers, family members, whatever, just to solve this. Do you, what do you find? Do you find that most people, they just don't even help they get help? I have a couple answers. So often at work, the target, as we call them, will have one person at least that they talk to. So we call that person an, a counselor. So, you know, I got interested in workplace bullying because I experienced it myself way back when. And so I did have one counselor. She was another manager at my level. And I spent a lot of time in her office. Every time I had an interaction, I'd go down there and I'd vent. That was one way for me to enlist help. But of course, counselors aren't really necessarily going to speak up on behalf of the target. So they're not usually going to volunteer to go to HR and help you file a complaint because they don't want to be bullied and they're afraid as well. Um, but part of the answer is also that certainly targets go home and tell their family members about it which is part of what adds to sort of the trauma that targets feel because they go home and tell their family, I'm bullied. And most people don't really understand what that even means unless, you know, you've been through it. So that adds to the isolation because they go home, they vent, they probably talk about it a lot. Um, it creates a wedge between them and their family members. The family members don't understand them. So now you have this whole family dynamic at home that's happening because of the bullying, which adds to it. It fuels the problem. And so, I don't know, it, it makes me sad that, mm -hmm. that we're having to even have this conversation, you know, right. that this even happens. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, maybe you touched on this a little bit, but I'm, I'm really curious. You wrote this book, obviously, as out of a need, but why, why did you write this book? I mean, did you have personal experiences? Like what led to this? Yeah, so I was the director of human resources for a nonprofit and I found myself working with a bully and I personally felt bullied. And also as the director of HR, I dealt with the organizational problems, lots of turnover. I was the counselor for many other people who felt bullied. They'd come to me and, and vent. My hands were tied. I spoke to the president of the company a lot about it and he just would say, that's just how it is. Don't worry about it. Be a bigger person. I don't know why it bothers you. It just always sort of discounting what I was saying. And of course, I was speaking on behalf of other people too. And 
I actually became pretty depressed myself as a result of it. And um, I was exhausted. That's the best word. I was tired of being bullied and tired of being the go-to person and sort of the buffer. Meanwhile, while all that was going on, I started getting my master's degree, despite what I was going through at work. And I actually had a class called The Dark Side of Communication at SDSU, San Diego State. And um, we had to write a paper about something dark in human communication. And so I wrote a paper on talk, or I was looking for toxic leadership or something around that and found the phrase workplace bullying. And while I was writing that paper, and I've been obsessed ever since. Um, so the, the short version is I had all of this information rolling around in my head when I got out of grad school and I just had to get it out on paper. <laughs> well, it's so unfortunate that you had to deal with that personally, but I'm so glad that something really good could come out of it because I felt like you have given a blueprint for not only like managers and leaders of companies to, to help their employees, but if people are being bullied, the, like the blueprints in here to like deal with it themselves and to walk through it. So I'm really, I'm really happy that you have written this book and, and are willing to share. So that's, I think it's really important. Thank you. If you're going to sum this up, though, how how do we as mostly HR professionals are listening to this podcast, but you know, some managers and business leaders and just people who want to grow uh, in terms of you know people development, communication, HR, those kind of things. How do how do those people? How do they shut down bullying? Like what do they, what do they do? Do you want the short answer or the long answer? It's up. It's it's your call. I got, I got the time. <laughs> um, well, the short answer is to use your performance management system. Uh. So, you know, I get this question all the time from HR. They they'll say bullying's not illegal. It's perfectly legal. How do I fire someone? But. Uh, we fire people all the time for lack of performance. There's no laws around lack of performance. It's not illegal to be a poor performer, yet we fire people all the time for that and discipline them. And bullying is purely a lack of performance. And so, yes, you can send someone down the disciplinary process if they don't change. That's my short tip. But ultimately, the long and more complicated answer is culture change. So bullying happens because of the culture. As I said at the beginning, um, it's the organization's fault that it's happening. They've created a context for bullying to thrive. And so, you know, when I work with clients, I take them through this whole process. We do a needs analysis so we can understand what the systemic problems are, often lacking a good performance management system as part of the problem. And then, you know, we implement a healthy workplace policy. We do training around bullying, but ultimately it's around positive work environment. You know, how do you give feedback to your peers in the right way? How do you listen and build relationships? So that's what the training is about. And then we work on a strategic plan to change the culture. So that's the long answer. To me, like just kind of restating what you're, what you're saying, it seems like there's kind of two buckets for this. If you want to really get rid of bullying, one is on the reactive side. It's probably documentation of what's happening, using the performance review, performance improvement plans, corrective action, all those sort of things to like fight off incidents. Right. But then you have this other underlying thing, which is we need to change the culture. And that's through processes, performance review systems, training, learning and development, communication training, all of those things to really make it lasting so that right. way these little incidents don't happen anymore. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's exactly right. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. So this has been a really great conversation. Anything else you want to say? I mean, do you want to mention your book, any other website links or anything else you're working on that you want people to know about? 
Yeah, so I've got two books right now, Back Off, as we've been talking about. That's for targets. I have another book called Seeking Civility. That book is for leaders and managers in HR. It, it actually lays out my 10-step process for solving bullying. I'm working on another book with the National Workplace Bullying Coalition. I'm, I happen to be the president of that nonprofit, and we're actually collecting stories from people who have been bullied but survived. You know, So I'm looking for people kind of like me that had a bad experience and are thriving now. I think we need more stories of success, you know, in terms of bullying. And, uh, you know, in terms of just sort of a final comment, I would say, I believe that it is our moral and ethical responsibility to create environments where our employees are thriving. If you're not doing that, if your culture is negative and people aren't thriving, there's a ripple effect into your community. If someone has a rough day because they were bullied, they go home, they share that with their family, their family takes that negativity out into the community. And on the flip side, if they're having a great day at work, they take that home to their family and their family members take that happiness and positivity out into your community. So I believe you're not doing your job in HR if you're not focused on creating a positive work environment. Catherine, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Human Resources for Small Business podcast. Subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our blog at www.zeniumhr.com forward slash blog and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn to hear about the latest in HR and leadership. The information on today's episode is for educational purposes only and should not be taken as legal or customized advice for you or your organization. This podcast is hosted and fully produced by Brandon Laws, that's me, and created and owned by Zenium Resources, Inc. For more information or to contact us, visit www.zeniumhr.com. <laughs>